podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It takes a lot of ingredients to fix or build a car, like cooking, but without the frozen dinner easy way out. eBay Motors has 122 million parts. It's always the right fitment, so you can follow any recipe to a T. Whether it's a vintage Italian coupe that's classic like grandma's meatballs or a German luxury car that's as complicated as Oma's Rouladen. To cook up something great in the garage, use the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. From the spectacular to the shambolic, uh, Fulham, Everton went down to the capital and struggled for long spells that second half, but eventually managed to emerge with a 3-2 win. Somehow, someway, uh, what a crazy game of football. Joining me to have a chat about it. Adam Sutton, Rob Vera, Mark Mosey. If you listen to this or watching this on YouTube, do leave a comment. Let us know what you thought about that um, remarkable game. Rob, I'll come to you first, mate, because I've just seen you put on Twitter there that a win is a win is a win. And I suppose that, that's the bottom line here. But certainly wasn't comfortable in that second half, was it? No, I mean, I'm not trying to ignore or gloss over issues. Um, I we're we're getting to that point in the season where it feels like we're talking about a lot of this same sorts of things though i guess the 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 difference being that when you know like when we started the season uh, on our really good run we were we had defensive issues but um you're always obviously better off if you're dealing with issues while also scoring which is what we did in the first half we were really effective but it was just a weird, it was a weird game. Um, we looked so good in the first half overall. Um, but, uh, you know, it's that weird combination of, of, of getting players like Awobi to, to, and Dean just playing out of their minds, playing great games today, but also trying to bet in a, a really kind of interesting three-minute-the-back thing. And, and so, I, I, you know, I don't really know, like – I think it looked about what you would think it would look like at times. And so I think that's why I'm kind of three points is three points. Um, if that's what Carlo felt like we needed to tweak, I, I guess, but I kind of wonder, could we have gotten, you know, that sort of performance uh, in a, in a, in a formation like four, three, three that we were already a little more comfortable with, but uh, who knows? Uh, bottom line is, is it looks like he doesn't really want to play John Joe Kenny at all. So maybe this is the, <laughs> This is the idea for right now until uh, until Seamus Coleman gets back. Um, Mose, what about you, mate? Thoughts on that overall? Uh, the the emotional side of me is telling me that I'm ready for Everton games not to look like that anymore. Um, <laughs> given the the, the calibre of opposition, and I think that was that was pretty influential in terms of how Ancelotti set set the side out today. Um, I, I, it, it should it should clearly be more dominant and and in inverted commas a little bit easier than what Everton seem to make it. Um, the pragmatic side of me says that this is an Everton team who have lost three games in a row going down for an early kickoff to London on a Sunday uh, and it, it's not. It's just not easy. It's just not how Everton games are played regardless of who your manager is or, or who your luxury right winger is. It's just, it's just the dumb thing. Um, on, on the tactical approach, that was probably the one element that really pleased me in the first half is that it felt as though it felt as though it was an Everton match and, and Fulham were just there to see if Everton could could do what their tactical approach was. It felt like it was very much geared to Everton playing well and Fulham's approach was very much off the cuff and it seemed as though their sort of tactical ideas were, were very much reactive to what Everton were doing and, and Everton's was a lot more planned out and a lot more 
well thought. And I thought the obviously the the change that we made, which which freed up Alex Wobi on the right hand side, there was very clear directives both from a, a point of view of shape, but also in terms of personnel. So when Alex Wobi does pick up on the ball, it was evident that he was told to run at the defence and be direct. And with Richarlison coming back into the side, that they were all of the the hallmarks of a good football team that have unfortunately been missing for the last few weeks. So yeah, really, really promising first half. And that's the element of the game I'm really trying to, to dwell on a lot more. Um, the move in particular for um, Calvert-Lewin's second goal was was very impressive. And obviously Alex Wobie being central to that as well. But I think with time and the early nature of the season probably affords them a little bit of slack here. But you need someone still in the second half to just have that now to slow the game down and, and just be a little bit more mature and not make it as though the panic button has to be hit when you're winning by one goal. And, and, and possibly because we're all kind of emotionally invested in this, then we kind of reflect on it worse than a neutral would have done. Probably looking back at the last 15 minutes, Pickford wasn't overly troubled. There wasn't a lot of clear-cut chances, but there's always that feeling. Uh, and I think I'm, I'm think I'm ready for that not to be a part of Everton anymore. Yeah, uh, I suppose that it's, it's one of them. If someone had said to you before the game, you know, you're going to go down there and win 3-2, you say, absolutely, three, three points is the most important thing because we've been on, on such a bad run. But I think it's just the nature of the game, wasn't it? And, and, how, and how we went about it and the way in which Everton were, were poor second half. It's, it's classic recency bias, isn't it, really? Yeah, it's, um, it's exactly what you expect when you come to watch Everton, especially on a Sunday morning. You just think like, this isn't ever going to end how we all want it to. And at 3-1, you just think Everton haven't arrived yet and, and they well and truly arrived, to be fair. And the penalty <laughs> is one thing. The, the second the, the second goal from Fulham is another. And that, as he said just before we started, Matt, there's like five minutes and literally five minutes of just the ball bouncing round our half. And I think it's actually Fulham's lack of quality which has got us through that game in the end. Because I'd say... 18, 19 other teams, 18 other teams in the league probably would have grabbed a third there because they are so poor. And I think actually, if anything, the Mitrovic change helped us because it allowed the likes of Keane and Mina just to go and head the ball. Because I thought early stages of the first half and obviously a lot of the second half, there were so many gaps in between that five that we sat into and the likes of Mina is just... He's not agile enough to maybe deal with someone who's trying to pull him across the box and then create a little bit of space and, and they've got runners in behind. But yeah, I think it's it's, it's such a, a tough way to, to look at things because you want Everton to, to be that 3-1, 4-1 and then go and batter a team. But then at the same time, it's, it's always going to be, we've had loads of lads away for the past week or so. We're, we are early in the season. We're just coming off the back of three defeats. Three points is three points, as you say. So... Yeah, it's uh, contrasting emotions, but the main one, I think, is relief. Yeah, let's, let's talk about that first half then, because you know, I think it has largely been forgotten from what I've seen on social media. And everyone's quite downbeat here, despite the fact we've, yeah. we've won. But, you know, there was some fantastic stuff there, wasn't there, Robin? I think it was a bit of a weird one, because we, we got that early goal, then didn't really know what to do, I don't think, and they got back in the game. But I just think as the half went on, we got Rodriguez on the ball a bit more. Mm-hmm. And through that, we just completely took over and... And some of the moves and you know, switches of play out to a worry being out to Dean, yeah, the delivery into the box was 
just absolutely first class. And I suppose if we're going to take something from this game, it's the going forward that this is what an Everton team can look like with that, that fluidity in, in the front three, with those two wing-backs pushing forward and then creating a lot of chances with the midfield backing up. It, for, the, for those 20, 25 minutes, it was, it was really, really encouraging, wasn't it? Uh, for sure, and <clears throat> I think what I think what is undeniable at this point, because we've seen it enough times now, is that there there really is when when they are able to click that there really is some nice attacking talent on this you know in this side, and uh, you know that I think what was missing today versus maybe what we saw in the early stages of the season when we were seeing this sort of chance creation and goal scoring was was really, frankly, I, I hate to oversimplify it, but just really kind of turning off in the second half. I, I don't know if it was a sense of feeling comfortable with a 3-1 lead or, or what have you, but they, they turned off a bit. But that that attacking prowess that you saw, I mean, Richarlison comes back and does exactly what you hope for, which is, you know, he he is that um, that supercharged that, that, that gets dropped into the 11 and suddenly um, everything, the entire pace of the side feels faster. It's weird how that works, right? Because, you know, when you think about – um, the pace of of any team that you put out there, um, you know, you think about it collectively. You think about you know which side is is are you seeing more speed on the left or the right, et cetera, et cetera. You know, what's the collective speed or pace of this group? But there's something about players like Richarlison who are um, <clears throat> they find a way to just by their mere insertion into the lineup make everyone seem faster. I don't know if you guys sense that as well, but I I felt like we just absolutely played faster, especially in that first half than, than I'd seen in the last three weeks. Um, Richarlison getting that early goal was great. Um, Calvert Lewin again. I, I just want to I just want to give props to him, uh, Matt, because you know, lost in all of the, the beautiful moves, Dean's two assists, uh, you know, Rodriguez getting his hockey assists, and, and obviously Awobi just, I thought Awobi was fantastic today. Once again, Calvert-Lewin is in the right place at the right time, and that is not luck. As he says, I really believe him on this. He works hard positionally to be in those, those spots, um, you know, to get those goals and to profit off of the, that chance creation. But yes, it, it's incredibly encouraging. The key, of course, is, and maybe this is all down to South, you know, the, I heard it on the broadcast over here, at least. You got two of our key, you know, creative influences uh, back from, you know, long flights from South America. You know, I, I always hear about the long flight and there's someone who can attest to that jet lag. Um, and I'm not even, you know, playing 90 minutes of anything. I, I know how worn out I am. Maybe that's part of the drop off. But if they can find a way to just kind of keep, you know, some reasonable facsimile of that level up, for both halves. I mean, that game was very sliding doors, wasn't it? It felt like Everton could come out in the second half, get that fourth goal, and then and then it's done. And then we're talking about a West Brom sort of feeling game, you know? Mm. Uh, <clears throat> but in this case, they, they just took their foot off the pedal. I don't know if they were too tired or not, but you can see the attacking um, capability. <clears throat> You can see the attacking talent there. Um, it, it's it's all about figuring out the best way to deploy it while still, and I know we'll talk about this, still trying to find a formation, whether it's the midfield configuration, the back four or five or, you know, a, a, a three center halves or whatever. They, they've got to find a way to get that sort of production 
uh, you know, with uh, a formation that they can feel a little more comfortable with. I think the question I have, and I'm very interested in, in what you guys think about this, is Awobi, <clears throat> if you just start Awobi on the right-hand side in a 4-3-3 today, is he capable of doing that? I mean, I feel like he should be. Um, he was really, really good today. Or was it down to him playing a right wing back position? That's what I can't figure out. But if he is going to play right wing back and we're going to do three center halves of the back, I just don't know that we figured out what configuration would work in that really well. And especially coming off an international break to switch to an unorthodox formation with three guys, you know, one of whom's come off a long flight, another who is playing kind of a strange position. Uh, you know, it, it looked exactly what you, what you think it would look like in those circumstances. It's gotta be better, obviously. But when you can see attacking like that, it's hard not to look at this thing, and this is maybe me being glasses half full, and I'm not going to indulge in the misery since we won today. But, but I keep thinking to myself that if you've got this kind of chance creation and goal scoring in your side, then your upside is really good. You've just got to find a way to get a comfortable midfield setup going. And, and Matt, you've brought that up before. It may be about Gabamin coming back and, and pushing Allen into Corey into positions they're more comfortable with. Um, it may be figuring out, you know, what's the best uh, group amongst Holgate, Mean, Kina, uh, you know, does Branthwaite work his way back? I mean, there's, there's so many questions that still are still to be answered. But the bottom line is, is Everton scored three goals today. They broke a, a losing streak. They're up to, I guess, fifth in the table. And all things considered, it's, it's, it's not too bad, but there's clearly a lot to work on. Yeah, I think on, on Carvalho-Lewis, it's just it's one of them where we sort of take it for granted the fact he scores goals now. It's almost like, uh, you know, it's not even being discussed from, from what I've seen on, on social media or anything like that. And that's 10 Premier League goals already for him. And it's, you know, we just, just finished our ninth game of the season. Um, I've always believed in him, Matt. Well, <laughs> like, like, like Rob said, you know, it, it seems like he's been working on that being in the right place at the right time. And do you know, do you know what I loved as well? The goal that was disallowed, which was offside, he stuck that away as well. Oh, yeah. You know, with, yeah. with his left foot. And, you know, I think, I think stuff like that, when you're a centre forward, it's probably, mm. it probably still gives you confidence when you've that instinct to finish on your weaker side, you put it in the corner. You probably still, you probably still, probably still walk away from that moment feeling like, right, at least I've converted the chance. And he's just there in the right place at the right time all the time. Did you see him kind of go to celebrate it after after he put away <laughs> the offside one? There was there was almost a subdued fist fist punch where you just thought, yeah, I, I know I'm burying them every time, which was quite nice. Yeah, um, I think the thing that leans towards us kind of forgetting about his impact is probably the nature of his goals. I think if if you've got a striker who is is burying sort of world class finishes from you know outside the box or, or particularly acrobatic or spectacular, then you can't help but talk about that person. But the fact that he is doing the, I mean, it, he was compared to him in the broadcast over here, the, the almost Gary Lineker role of just being the one who taps it in. Uh, I mean, we, we've longed for someone like that for, for so long. So I think for, from a positional sense, he's obviously been incredibly intelligent. I think the, the whole right place, right time philosophy can only carry you so far. I think to do it on a consistent basis obviously takes a lot of work and thought and, and and he's an intelligent lad. You can see him when he when he plays football, when he talks to the press. He's someone who is is very adept at, at learning new skills and and if if those new skills are being in the right place and scoring goals for Everton then long may it continue. I think he's someone who as we saw in the first half and we've spoken about this season, clearly thrives off the level of creativity and importantly vision that, that someone like Hamel Rodriguez has. 
I think the, the one thing that really excited me in the early stages, apart from the early goal, of course, was watching James Rodriguez have the vision, but it not quite come off. And there was a couple of misplaced passes to Richarlison and, and a couple of the overhits of the goalkeeper. But every time he gets on that ball about 30 yards out and, and he does start to get into that groove, it's just a matter of time before he starts picking passes like the the outside of his foot one for, for Luca Dean to the second goal the lad's an artist uh, and something that myself and Rob spoke about in the week was Everton being multi-dimensional and for so long and as much as we've enjoyed Everton's attacking down the left-hand side with Leighton Baines, Luca Dean, Richarlison I think it's important that we have different weapons um, and, and today ju- just to cause a team a different problem like Alex Awobi was doing on the right-hand side you instantly free up people like Richarlison and you give defenders something else to think about. I think a shining example of, of occupying defenders was Abdelaide Corey's goal because as soon yeah. as the ball goes out wide, you've got a centre-half picking Calvert-Lewin up. You've got a left-back who tucks in also to pick Calvert-Lewin up. And we're seeing Abdelaide Corey do the things that we all thought he was coming into the club to do. I think it was also quite nice to see Everton score a goal or a type of goal that we are unfortunately consistently conceding. And that is one where midfielders attack the area late on. And for the second goal again today, Bruno Fernandes from Manchester United, it's something that needs to be worked on in terms of who is in command when attacking midfielders and making late runs into the box. And unfortunately, unless we get a, a consistent central defensive partnership, regardless of who that is, I don't think that sort of authority and that sort of leadership is going to evolve and, and that is something that Everton needs to address defensively. Yeah, Mo's mentioned Alex Awobi there, Arden, you know, I, mean, I think Rob, Rob asked earlier, you know, does, does Awobi get that much space and play that well if he plays on the right of a front three? And I'm, I'm inclined to say no. I think given that, being in that position where you're not going to get picked up as much, where you're just being told to hold, hold your whiff mm-hmm. and almost just have your game simplified, which is you get the ball on the right-hand side, you're going to drive forward, try and take people on and get crosses into the box. It, it just... I think for a footballer that seems to, whenever he gets the ball, usually whether he's playing on the left-hand side or as a number 10, seems to just, his head seems to be wearing all the time about what to do. Just to have his game simplified a little bit like that really suited him. And do you think that's something that we could utilise long-term or maybe it could be a bit of a lightning in a bottle thing? Well, to be fair, I think, as you say, like simplifying his game, I think he just went back to basics a little bit today and did what he was good at. And we've never been a doubter of, his ability to run with the ball at pace and, and, and jink past plays and stuff like that. But it, it's when he does have maybe too long to, to make a decision that that's when he, he gets a little bit not complacent. But at the same time, he, he very rarely makes the right decision. And if anything, Alex Awobi's been a provider of good chances to players for a long time. And, and maybe the part before that is where he struggled slightly and, and given him a, a lot more space in that right wing back position where doesn't necessarily have someone who's totally dedicated to marketing. And at the same time, he doesn't have someone who's totally dedicated to tracking back in the likes of Adam Ola-Luckman for Fulham today. It just gives him a totally new way of playing, really, where he can do what he's good at, but at the same time, doesn't have to worry about the stuff that he isn't good at, about making the right decision in tight spaces. He had the whole pitch in front of him today, and I think it really suited him. The flip side of that is the formation that was actually played, I think, was... It was quite scary, actually. Um, and, and having 
I think Ben Ben Godfrey's been thrown around the team since he's come come to Everton. Actually, and it's not really good for him to to see him play in what looks like three or four different positions already. Whether that's right back, whether that's right of the centre half, um, in a two, or whether that's right of the three. It's um, yeah, he needs a little bit more confidence, and I think you can tell with, with his defending or um, with just his all round game playing. Is that formation suiting Alex Awobi enough to play it? where it may not suit other players, I'm not sure. But who knows, if they work on it and work on it and they have the right defensive players in that system, then it could, yeah, be really beneficial to us. Want a great way to recognize your employees? Check out Custom Inc. Have you ever thought about doing something special for your customers? Custom Inc. can do that too. And wouldn't your team love some custom gear? Custom Inc. is ready. Custom Inc. is your go-to custom gear partner with great customer service, quality products, and all-in pricing along with personalized help when you need it and an easy-to-use website when you don't. Plus, everything is 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Check out what we can do for your business at custominc.com. Any thoughts on that, Mark, I, Rob? I, yeah. so I, I yeah. think it's fine to set your team up to play against Fulham in, in a totally different way than what you would to, to Man United at home. It, for, for so long, Everton have been sort of in endless pursuit of the answer and, and that's the 11 and that's the formation that we play and let's go with it for 38 games and see how the season goes. It, it's also quite nice to see us address different challenges except where you can have a little bit more affordability in terms of possibly not playing an out-and-out right-back. Um, and albeit we know Adam, Adam Ola-Luckman's talent and potential quite well, when you do come up against Fulham and, and there is no one necessarily of you know a top-level pedigree playing on their left-hand side, maybe you do drag a winger back and say, well, do you know what, you, you are kind of right wing-back, but... We want you to be really offensive. We want you to pin them back up the pitch. And it's nice to see us have different game plans. So I think that's something that, as as much as this may well be all very experimental by Ancelotti and and trying to find that ultimate answer, on the face of it, it seems as though he's someone who very much sets his teams up differently for for different challenges. And I I think when when you haven't got the the top level caliber of of player like a like a Manchester City or a Liverpool, whereby regardless of what you do with your eleven, it probably works. You do have to to be a little bit mindful of of you know being able to utilize different setups and and different players in different situations. And as much as as Adam correctly says, it's it's a bit of a chaotic start for Ben Godfrey. Um, I think it. It's the ultimate Everton introduction is that, you know what, lad, th- th- these are the types of games that happen. We're going to ask you to play four positions in one half. If you could just get on board with it, it would be great. But yeah. I, I, I do think it's nice for for Everton to, to be the team who are conducting how the game goes. And it, I very much got that feeling in the first half in that it, it, was, it was basically a 45 minutes of how much can Everton damage Fulham. Um, and as... The only disappointment, obviously, is we weren't able to to sustain that. But I, th- I think it's absolutely complacency in, in the second half. I, I don't think you can you can really put it down to sort of travelling and overplaying as much as those are minor issues. I think at any point in the first half, if if, if we went in at one all or two all, I would have had every confidence in Everton pushing on and, and being that attacking force in the second half. But I think what's important about that level of complacency in the short term is that you get away with it, um, which Everton, on a positive note, absolutely have. Um, and slightly more medium term in that is that you learn from it. But 
the games against Fulham and against Leeds and Burnley coming up in the next few weeks, that they are potentially your times to, to try things like this and, and possibly get that level of complacency out as much as we, we never want to see it. If, you, if you're going to have bad 45 minutes like this, then do it against poor teams and make sure you win the game. <laughs> Um, you so, think you were you think you were nervous today against Fulham Leeds good god I can uh, only imagine <laughs> and Matt you know one thing I'll say about formation I'm, I could probably make a strong argument for sticking with 4-3-3 uh, but I think on the one hand by the way we act like 4-3-3 has just been the tried and true format like we've literally been doing it for only just a you know a couple a few months now really if you think about it we were at 4-4-2 and then we were begging Marco Silva to try a 4-3-3 and he never would um but you know I think that Mark makes a good point like we in order for us to get to where we need to get as a club as a as a squad what have you and part of what what a manager like Ancelotti, in order to get the most out of himself, I would argue, um, he's frankly got to push this squad to its limits. He's got he's got to say to them, you know, it's not ideal to play. You know, you guys might not think that it's ideal to switch to this formation today, but you've got to find a way. You know, you guys, I I, I would almost be, <clears throat> you know, when you answer the question, Matt, about a Wobi being more effective um, in this scenario. I think then the takeaway is you won the game. You were really effective attacking on the right-hand side, which we've been missing for a while. Um, And I think you have to say to yourself, you know, the only way we're going to get better in these types of formations or in these types of setups is to actually, you know, persist with it a little bit maybe, you know, or or not do it as a once in the 20 game sort of scenario. I think that, that maybe it's the thing where you're like, all right, we, we look at the film after the game and we, we look, we realize like, here were the mistakes. Like I can look at both of those, uh, you know, I looked at both those Fulham goals over and over again, and you can see the, in the, like the five to 10 seconds leading up to both goals, you can see, you know, the, the chess Everton's defensive chess pieces, whether it be like Mark was talking about the midfielder coming in late, not getting covered. Then you have, uh, you know, Keen opening up space, Mina not coming over when he should, and then he gets beat because it's too late to make the move at that point. Like you can see correctable mistakes. Um, but they are mistakes that have to be corrected at a certain point. Um, and, and I think that the only way that you are able to do so in a certain way probably is that you've got to, you've got to find some consistency, whether that be, you know, a, you know, formational consistency, or even if you're going to do three at the back, play it more than once every, you know, every three months or something <laughs> yeah. like that. And, and then I would say to Mark, you know, Mark, to Mark's final point, I think you, <clears throat> I think that you have to find, you know, who out of all these center halves we've got, you know, who, who is, who do I want to pair? Who needs to play together consistently? Um, you know, Adam said something I thought that was curious, which was, or, or interesting, which was that, you know, when Mitrovic came on, it almost made it easier for Keen and Mina because that's really the, the type of striker or, or matchup they'd probably be more comfortable with. I wonder if, if in it, when they first named the starting eleven, I thought Carlo probably thought Mitrovic was starting, and, yeah. and then maybe that was a bit of a curveball. And then you had these kind of quick, uh, you know, quick guys as opposed to physical guys. And so, anyway, I, I, yeah, I think that's probably. Why I don't want to get too down into it. The, the game we won the game, but but clearly there's a lot to work on. But but I, I think you can experiment against Fulham, as Mark said. Yeah, I think that's why Holgate doesn't play as well because he's yeah. worried about Mitrovic. Sorry, Adam, were you going to make a point there, mate? Yeah, I just think. Today feels, and I think it's more 
coming through as, as the pod goes on, actually. Today feels like one of those wins that will feel better the later in the day it gets. And I think tonight, when we all sit down to watch match of the day, or this afternoon, in your case, Rob, um, we'll just be able to actually enjoy that first half, which seems so, so far away now. And um, the more I think about it, and the more that we talk about it, I think actually testing these formations, as Mark's alluded to, and, and winning games which you may not deserve to win in, in large periods of it, it's, it's another test and it's another testament, really, to how far we've come. Because the age-old thing of saying, oh, we, under Silva, we would have lost that. I don't think right. under Silva, we would have ever got through a period of losing three games and then look like we were going to win. And it, it's totally changing the way that, as Evertonians, we look at it. Because we're disappointed after getting three points today. And that yeah. just feels bad. And I think I think as well, I think we're still learning about the manager and what his what his go to things are in certain points in the game. And I think one of the things that I've sort of realised over certainly the last few months is that if it's if we're ahead by a goal in a game, away from home in particular, and there's a chance to shut up shop, he's gonna shut up shop. Mm-hmm. I, you think back to the Leicester home game two one, we went to five at the back and just sat deep for the last 20 minutes and kicked it away. Pal- the Palace game, the second half of the Palace game was very similar to today, wasn't it? If you think back to it, you know, they, they, didn't, they didn't score in the second half in that game, but the others on the back foot for long spells, it felt very frantic and, you know, you've, we didn't really have much of a chance going forward. But again, he made the changes. We sat deep, we kicked and hit everything away. And I think that's, that's what Carlo Angelotti is going to be, I think. I think if, if there's a man, you know, if we've got a goal lead in a match and we're away from home in particular... We're just going to try and take it and we're going to defend And So far, that's served us okay because we've managed to get through games and get through these, these tricky spells. But there'll mm. be a time when we get caught out and everyone, everyone loses the plot, obviously. But today it worked, thankfully. Sorry, Adam, are you going to jump in there? Just think, yeah, I think it, there's so many times it's discussed about these managers who play in a certain way and everyone goes, oh, you want to play free-flowing football and you want to enjoy watching your team. I could not care less if we go 2-1 up away at Palace and win 2-1 if we go 3-1 up away at Fulham and win 3-2. Because at the end of the season, you finish in in the top six. Because so many times, Mourinho is probably the most spoken about manager about all the way he plays and is he going to get the best out of his players. He just wins games and that's all you need to do. Like, I understand playing well, but that's where the likes of Marco Silva, it's great to watch, but it's terrible to lose and you lose more than enjoy watching. And if Carlo Ancelotti can bring us some good football, as we as we saw in the first half, it's not exactly sitting there and thinking, when's this going to finish? It's fantastic free-flowing football. And then when the dirty work needs to do, and it gets done. Yeah, uh, just one player I wanted to mention who's got a lot of love in the comments, actually. Tom Davis did pretty well when he came on, calmed things down. I think, you know, Gilfie Sigurdsson was sort of the antithesis. I think he gave the ball away every time he touched it, mm-hmm. including from that corner. But... but Davis, <laughs> Adam, <laughs> just, you're just recollecting some of those moments, mate. Yeah, uh, I, think, I think I saw it in the, in the comments on social media about like, oh, was Davis the right person to bring on? We need someone who's got maybe a bit of technical ability who can keep hold of the ball and pick a right pass. And if you think of Tom Davis and Guilford Sigurdsson, you probably think of which one does one and the other. But in fact, he's just dreadful, him, and he? Let's be honest. It, it's so mad that I think... I saw minutes into him coming on. He kind of did that thing where he, he pretends to not realise that someone's running past him and he goes like, and then does it. And you just think like... <laughs> Literally does a double take. You're talking about Gilfie, like, right? Yeah. yeah pointing yeah. this way, he's pointing that way. He does like the arms yeah. in the air and he's played like four minutes. And 
for me, he shouldn't play for Everton again if he has that attitude. And, and Tom Davis, as you say, is a total flip side of that. He comes on, he looks hungry. He wants to win the ball high up the pitch. He keeps the ball. He mucks in. And, and that's exactly what you need when you're holding on to a lead instead of someone coming on and thinking, oh, I should have started this game. Not the way to, to play football or, or carry yourself as a professional. Mm. Tom Davis is more effective once you've already scored the three goals, I would say. <laughs> But I, I would argue that you're absolutely right, Matt, that he came on today and did what was needed, what needed to be done. The, the theory on Gilfie, to, to Adam's point, is spot on. Like, the theory is that he's going to help settle things down because he can technically, you mm. know, get the ball. But, you know, th that just wasn't, that was, just wasn't what was happening today. I mean, it was maddening how we couldn't hold on to the ball in the second half, especially in those late stages. You know, there was even a moment, the, the, the worst moment for Calvert-Lewin the whole game was when I wished that he had taken it to the corner and held on to the ball a little longer, kind of late on there. But Tried to cross it for Davis, didn't he, in the middle? Yeah, tries to cross it for Davis. I mean, everyone wants, wants that Tom Davis goal to happen. I get that. But no, I thought Tom... Uh, came on today and did exactly what was needed. And, and if anything, I, I, I think a lot of us were screaming for a change to maybe have occurred, uh, you know, 10 minutes earlier than that. So I, 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 I really commend him for, for that part of, for that performance today. It was very good. It was what was needed off the bench. The, the important thing that Davis seems to recognize when he comes on in these situations is that just sitting in front of the back four and being ultra cautious is sometimes not the way to, to mm. walk away opposition attacks. I think he realises that occasionally a central midfielder does have to break the lines and try and get close to Calvert-Lewin. And when the ball does go up top to him, I think that the closest midfielder in those closing moments to Dom was was always Tom Davis. <laughs> and I appreciate that is, that is clearly his role, but... So often, the, the gulf in terms of space between the midfield and, and Calvert-Lewin, who was the lone figure, was it, it just invites the ball back into, into your own half. And it, it's totally counterproductive in, in terms of what you're trying to do in, in terms of holding on to the lead. The whole idea of kind of shutting up shop and, and consolidating a, a late win I find a lot more comfortable when Everton kind of make that Davy Weir sub and bring a centre half on. And I think if if we are going to tinker around in those, so you would have you 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 gone four, six at the back. No, well, <laughs> in a situation like today, you, you'd probably say, well, you've got your three centre halves. I appreciate he's not on the bench, but you probably look to a more sort of stereotypical right back and say, well, that that's where John Joe Kenny potentially had his place. When there are only two centre-halves on the pitch, generally speaking, I, given the, the squad depth that we've got, I would rather see us go with three centre-halves and, and you know, bring a, a Mina or a Holgate or whoever that may be on, as opposed to bringing one of these sort of tried and definitely tested central midfielders. Because we talk about Carlo Ancelotti still learning lessons, I think. The Gilfie Sigurdsson lesson is one that we're all ready for everyone just to be on, on the same wavelength now. Um, we've spoken about this in previous podcasts whereby as much as the fans don't know more about football than Carlo Ancelotti, we're all ready to stop making the same mistakes in terms of trust being allocated to senior players when they are absolutely not ready to accept it. Um, on paper, you, you take your, your more flair and direct players like Richardson and Han Mez Rodriguez off but when you're replacing them with people in the ilk of Gilfie Sigerson it, it's totally counterproductive and um, I, I do think that we we have to be a little bit more 
clever with those sort of late subs. I think what we did today is that we, we totally nullified any form of attacking threat that we would have. And I appreciate you might say that we don't need that at 3-2, but you absolutely do need it if you can see the goal. Um, and, and you need to occupy the opposition's team. You need to push up the pitch. And I think no one, especially Evertonians, wants to see their team inviting the ball into their own half. And I think there was a there was a danger in the last 15 of us doing that. But as we've said, the, the level of opposition aided that today. But it, it's something that I hope that Ancelotti is picking up on in that he, in particular, is not a player who can be trusted in those final moments. Yeah, I was just watching it, feeling like we we haven't really got one of these in our squad, but like just like a a winger who's just going to get up and down the line and yeah. you know give you an outlet or muck in and you know can fill mm-hmm. it. You know, so, someone like someone like Aaron Lennon would have been perfect for that game today. Just just <laughs> stick him on the right hand side, get back, and then you can you can knock it down the line for him and he'll run onto it. You know, if, yeah. I mean, like a Theo Walcott maybe. <laughs> uh, perhaps, yeah. Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to open up another can of words. Uh, yeah, uh, but oh, we'll, we'll leave it there. Everyone's smart. Chevers and Alpha won today. Uh, the, don't they are, ruin it, Mark. They are, on, they are on the way up the, the Premier League table. Leeds next week. Uh, what, what's everyone's rest of everyone's Sunday looking like, Rob? You've got a long day ahead of you still. I am, I am going to take a nap and then I'm going to enjoy Red Zone. So that will be, that's my Sunday. And, and maybe, you know get something to eat at some point or some coffee in me because I, I feel like I'm only half alive right now. <laughs> uh, what about you, Adam? Um, taking the dog out for a walk. Actually. You got him there? He is here. Amazing. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, look at that pooch. That is a beautiful <laughs> Bruce dog. Bruce the Bruno's. You know what? Every time we score today and I go mad in the lounge, he absolutely traps himself. <laughs> So uh, I think he's happy as anyone that the game's finished now and finished with three points. So, yeah, long walk uh, and spend some time with the missus, which I haven't done, so. Quality. What about you, Mose? I was so ready for Adam to pick his dog up and say, this is little Gilfie. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? He's more agile than Gilfie and he doesn't need much. <laughs> but yeah, picking the dogs out, and I think Adam referenced earlier, I think this is a victory that will will seem nicer with time as the day goes on. Yeah. I think that time for me will be when Jamie Vardy scores his hat trick later on. So I think I'm <laughs> ready for that as some evening entertainment. Yeah, Vardy scoring a hat trick and a four three loss for Leicester, no doubt. <laughs> 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 but yeah, uh, thanks very much for watching it on YouTube. Thanks very much for listening as ever. We'll be back later in the week with all usual content uh, here on the Blue Room. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday, whatever you're up to. At Baker's, we work with local farms right in our own backyard to bring you food that's fresher than fresh. From homegrown watermelon that makes your mouth water to crisp corn picked right around the corner. Come pick out some yourself because shopping for local produce should be as easy as shopping at your local Baker's. Baker's, fresh for everyone. When you're a Boost member, you get free delivery, double fuel points, and lots more. Sign up at bakersplus.com slash boost. Podcast Network.